1: Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm your host, Doris Hanson. And we're grateful that you have chosen to share some of your evening with us tonight. Of course, our guest co-host, Earl Erskine, is here again, (laughs) still with us. Thanks for having me. And uh, together we plan on bringing you some information that we hope will be helpful to you and also that you will enjoy listening to. It's been an interesting study to get this particular show out tonight. Yeah, it is. You know, um, both Earl and I have often received comments from our viewers asking various questions about our personal beliefs. Uh, Some of them are courteous and they're from genuine seekers of truth, but then others are often belligerent and challenging and accusing, (laughs) even threatening. Many of them will advise us on how they think that we should be doing this show, and this is most likely because we are treading on many toes when we use the Bible most people are offended with biblical truths. If anything, the Bible does offend people, especially those whose beliefs contradict what the Bible teaches or when it tells them that what they're doing is a sin. Some of our viewers have wondered why we don't talk about our personal beliefs instead of picking on someone else's beliefs. Actually, uh, we do express frequently on our show what we believe, I think, more often than they realize. But we decided that tonight we would take a two-week sabbatical from our normal theme of polygamy and answer many of the questions we have been asked. Of course, many of those questions do deal with polygamy, so we're not going to abandon that altogether. As our launching pad, we will read from emails or notes taken from our telephone calls. We're devoting two shows on this because we realize it'll take more than one show to cover the important emails and questions our viewers have asked. And these will basically cover the foundational beliefs that we embrace and what we don't embrace. Because many of our viewers are Mormons, not polygamous. these next two shows will also cover the questions that mainline LDS viewers have asked us. So we hope that if you are easily offended when we mention the LDS <coughs> side of the fence, you'll understand we are merely answering questions that LDS people have asked us. They have asked and we will answer. Also remember that polygamists believe much of what the Mormons believe. Polygamists believe in all the basic doctrines of the LDS, uh, what they embrace. They read from the same, which surprised you. I I I was
0: surprised. (laughs) They're very similar. I Mm -hmm. mean, Joseph Smith and the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl Mm -hmm. of Great Price. Same scripture. Same Book of Mormon. and Mm, Same prophets.
1: Yeah. They believe in the LDS articles of and faith, and
0: priesthood, and mm-hmm. the priesthood, yeah. and
1: and many of them even watch the Mormon conference when it comes each year. So, yeah. it's, it's not they're not uniquely different. So when we talk the Mormon language and doctrine, it can easily apply to the LDS as well as it does to the polygamists. So let's begin with the most often asked question from our viewers through the years of doing this show. The first question is short and simple.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, do you believe the creeds? And I assume they mean the Nicene and the Apostles' Creed. They
1: they didn't say that, but I assume also that's what they meant. Uh, And this culture, especially this culture, uses the word creed as if it's a dirty word, you know. But each polygamy group, they have their own creed. The Mormon Church has its own creed. The Articles of Faith is a Mormon creed that both the polygamy groups and the LDS Church embrace. The word creed is simply a formal statement of your religious belief. So what's wrong with having a creed? You know, actually it's essential to have a creed. My creed is the Bible. I believe what the Bible teaches, that's my creed, and I do not embrace any creed, whether it's the Nicene Creed or any other creed, if it does not agree with the Bible, and I do agree with it if it does agree with the Bible.
0: <laughs> well, and the scriptures themselves say, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And. So there's just a trust in the Bible and you have to believe God had the power to bring it forward just the way he wanted it to and yeah. and so uh, yeah, if it doesn't if the creed doesn't agree with our the Bible then, it,
1: then it's then not the, our creed. The Bible we don't believe
0: it's is what we follow.
1: We don't believe it. And yeah. that's gonna go in with this next question, yes, what you it just does. said. The next question.
0: Yeah, it says, Do you believe the Bible to be the only word of God? And if so, why? And if not, what else would be out there?
1: Okay. <laughs> Well, the answer to that is the Bible is the only Word of God, and we believe that because God said it is, yes. <laughs> and God cannot disagree with Himself. For instance, either polygamy helps us get to heaven, or it doesn't. Now, the Bible says it doesn't, but Mormonism says it does. Uh, and also, God, uh, God can't disagree with himself, Um, either polygamy is practiced in heaven, as Mormonism believes it is, or it isn't isn't practiced in heaven, and the Bible says it isn't, and Mormonism says it is. So God can't disagree with himself, and we believe what the Bible says. That's right.
0: And in Proverbs uh, 30 it says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar.
1: Yeah. So that, yeah, and that's Proverbs, which is in about the, the middle of the Bible. Uh, so this is God's Word in God's book, and I believe it. God's Word in God's book has been tested through the centuries and proven to be true and constant and relevant.
0: Now we find in Psalms <coughs> 12, it says, "...the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times." Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever.
1: Forever. Forever. (laughs) Ooh, preserved forever. What does forever mean? Uh, What does preserved mean? God has promised over and over again that He will preserve His Word forever, and He has the power to do it. And there is overwhelming proof that He did do it. Here's
0: a couple of scriptures, one from Isaiah 40, it says, The Word of our God stands forever, And in Mark 13, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away.
1: So that's from the Old Testament. Again, it's forever. The Word of God will stand forever. And Jesus himself said that his words would never pass away. So yes, we do believe uh, these. Now, these promises from God were recorded long before the Book of Mormon existed. And so the Book of Mormon cannot be included as being the Word of God.
0: I think that's an interesting point because... uh, the Bible was here first, so anything that came along from Joseph Smith or the Book of Mormon should be matched up against what the Bible already tells us. And if it's different, mm-hmm. if it's different, then then it should be really investigated and determine why is it different, mm-hmm. and it should be thrown out if it doesn't agree with the Bible. Right. And the Mormons have turned that around.
1: Yes, they have. They've got
0: They've the, Book, the of Book of Mormon, Mormon the standard, and then they make the Bible match their doctrine
1: right very strange It, it is very strange and
0: in second peter we read this chapter one above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man but men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy
1: spirit so the Holy Spirit is the producing force yeah. here and, and it is through the Holy Spirit that the Bible uh, was written as He worked with the men that God chose to write down what He wanted them to write. Yeah. Now to accuse God of allowing His Word to become lost or corrupted is to accuse God of lying to us. You may not know this, but God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. He has the power to do just exactly as He promised to do, and He did it. And He testifies many, many times that His Word is pure, unchangeable, and more valuable than gold, silver, or anything else in this world. His Word includes the entire Bible, cover to cover, every word, every sentence, every command and every promise. So the answer to the question is, yes, we believe the Bible to be the only Word of God and that's why we believe it.
0: And the fulfilled prophecies that Amen. span a period of time f- further prove that God was working with Israel and then later worked with Gentiles, and fulfilled the prophecies of Jesus coming, and mm-hmm. how he fulfilled prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a standard we hold. And, to. and
1: the fulfilled prophecy is a good point because there was over 300 prophecies of Jesus's first coming, of his birth, <laughs> his, his life, birth, his death, his, his resurrection,
0: and all the yeah.
1: over 300 of them, and every single one of those prophecies was fulfilled precisely. Yeah. Now, all the other prophecies about His second coming and all of the rest, what do you think the chances are of them being fulfilled precisely, too? Sure,
0: expect that to happen. So, it's proven
1: to be true just by fulfilled prophecy. Yeah. So, the next question.
0: Our next topic, how does God speak to you and let you know what is true and correct?
1: Well, this is directly related to the last question about the Bible being the Word of God. Everyone speaks with words. Whether we say it, or sign it, or type it, or write it, we use words to communicate. Now, the Bible is God's Word to humanity. God speaks to me through His Word. And we have Scripture, John 1, 1 through 4, talking about the Word.
0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And in John 1.14 it continues, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us.
1: So we have in these verses that Jesus was the Word of God, the Word was God, and the word became flesh. Now he communicates with words, right? Right. So this is saying that Jesus is God who came and revealed God to us and taught us through words. And we have those words and actions of God recorded in his book, the Bible. So God speaks to his people through his word, the Bible. It covers every choice or decision or principle in life that I personally have ever needed and clearly teaches God's way to eternal life. The Bible speaks to every false doctrine that man can come up with. Why would we need anything else when the Bible has it all? Why would we need any religion when we have Jesus and Jesus is, in, is everything, including God's Word? When we read His Word in the spirit of truth, He will apply it directly to our hearts with the power of His truth, and that's how God speaks to us. He guides us through each decision. He helps us to overcome bad behavior. He helps us have bad thinking and bad attitude. He helps us overcome those. He heals emotional scars. He heals relationships. God does all that and a billion times more through the power of His Word properly applied and through the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, the Bible has become one of the joys of our journey. Oh, Car- it is my my journey and Carla's journey. As Mormons, we used it. We pulled scriptures out to support different talks and things that we would give, but never in context. Mm-hmm. And once we started reading, Carla and I started in John, and we were reading at the kitchen table, and we just started crying because mm-hmm. for one, for the first time ever, we had seen the Bible through. Uh, Eyes that we had never had before. Right, exactly. And all of a sudden, we were seeing scriptures interpreted and, and read them differently than we'd ever done before. And I've interviewed close to 150 people, and I think to a person, that is one of the major changes. They come to a, a great love and appreciation for God's Word, the mm-hmm. Bible. They can't get enough of it, right. they start reading it. It means so much more and, to and them. And it brings
1: power in your life, in it your Christian does. life. It, it brings, the, actually gives you the power to live the Christian life.
0: Yeah, and it's just, it's just been such a joy. And the scriptures that we, uh, Galatians and Ephesians yeah. and Romans and Hebrews, we just, as Mormons, we didn't study them in context. We use scriptures, we pluck them out and we don't use them right. in context and misinterpret them and um, yeah. that's been a real joy to, it, to trust it is. in the Bible.
1: It is. It's, it is absolutely wonderful. I'd be lost without it now. I thank God for His Word every day. Yeah. Okay, the next question which is our longest answer.
0: Okay. <laughs> was Christ resurrected? Did He show His body to His apostles and eat with them? Does He still have that body of flesh and bone? And if not, where did it go and why would resurrection be so important?
1: Well, was Jesus resurrected? Yes, of course He was. Did he show his bodies to his apostles and eat with them? Yes, he did. The Bible's clear that That's this happened. Very clear. Does he still have that body of flesh and bone? Yes, he does. We read from Acts chapter 1, verses 9-11 through 11 for that.
0: And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven.
1: So as he went up into heaven in his body of flesh and bones, so will he come back. The clouds hid him from sight, and he's going to come back on the clouds, the Bible tells us clearly. That's what this said. So, yes, he will return just as he ascended in his body of flesh and bones and on the clouds of great glory. Now, why would the resurrection be so important? That was one of his questions. He asked these questions as though somehow we have said sometime that we don't believe in the resurrection, but we have Mm -hmm. never ever said or even hinted that we don't believe in the resurrection. But the resurrection is not salvation, and that is one of the main problems with Mormonism. Mormon doctrine teaches that everyone will be saved because everyone will be resurrected. But that is not what the Bible teaches. It is not what Jesus taught. And I have literally had dozens of Mormons tell me this. So, this has got to be what they're believing. Of
0: what's saved.
1: Uh Mm -hmm. The resurrection is important because of Jesus' resurrection, sin and death have been defeated. Now, God created us to live. The original creation was life, not death. But the devil interfered and tempted Eve to sin, and then Adam sinned, and they both died spiritually on the spot. They later (laughs) suffered physical death. Death was and is the penalty for sin. Yeah. And we read this in Genesis chapter 2.
0: Yes. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die.
1: So that's the penalty <laughs> of disobedience is yeah. death. God didn't create death. He, he brought it in as a penalty for sinning. Our bodies are subject to death because we sin. And death still, all these centuries later, death is still the penalty for sin. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and so all will die. Although Jesus never sinned, he died for our sins. God created us to live in a body and so eternal life, which is life forever, will be in a body, a resurrected body. And those who will be resurrected to eternal life will receive a new body which will not be subject to sin or death or harm or illness or aging or fatigue or any of the other frailties that we suffer in this body. We need the resurrection to enjoy eternal life in an eternal body. But only true believers will get a new body at the resurrection.
0: Yeah, this is Daniel 12. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt.
1: Now, there's no way. This is the resurrection, and there is no way that this can be construed as being everybody's going to go to heaven because everybody's resurrected. Yeah. Some will be resurrected to everlasting life. That's and so, heaven. Yeah some to everlasting contempt. That's eternal grief, not eternal life. Jesus defeated the devil on the cross, and he defeated death by his resurrection. Those who ignore or choose to work for eternal life will never receive eternal life because works do not defeat sin and death. Only Jesus did that. Jesus did not do a certain percentage for us, and we do the rest. Jesus did it all we can do nothing but trust Him and believe Him and cling to Him and we go to heaven on His merit not on our merit of our works and that's what grace is all about.
0: Yeah, and and I love the testimony that John the Baptist gives when he sees Jesus coming to be baptized he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right. And that was the sin of and death and Adam's uh, sin. sin yeah. uh-huh.
1: That's right, sin and death. And, and and in Romans it talks about that being a power. Sin and death is a power yeah. that, that uh, plagues us. Everyone who tries to go to heaven any other way will be shut out from heaven. They cannot enter God's heaven based on any works that they did including polygamy or temples or all that. Yeah. God forgives only the person who has realized that he cannot be good enough and then calls out to God in repentance for His mercy and grace. Those are the ones that God adopts into His family and forgives them, and then He makes us worthy because of Jesus, not because of what we do. Now, you asked if we believe the resurrection is important. Of course, it's extremely important and is one of the points of the biblical gospel, which you'll find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1-4. Right. Now, Jesus' birth, His perfect life, and His death on the cross are all very important. More important than polygamy, more important than temples, more important than baptism or the word of wisdom or religious works of any kind. If Jesus had not been resurrected, all He did on the cross and everything else would have meant nothing because He would still be dead in the grave and a dead Savior is not a Savior. If He wasn't resurrected, we'd all be lost.
0: Well, and it'd be like worshiping the pagan gods and all the other gods, or all the other good people of the world. It's the resurrection that separates Separates. Jesus from everyone else. Right, exactly. In in First Corinthians 15:14 through 19, we read, "And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ." whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are are of all people most to be pitied.
1: So it shows that, shows that resurrection of how important it is. We're still in our sins uh, if we might as well just give it all up and, yeah, if uh, there was no if resurrection. If no resurrection.
0: Yeah, then Christ died in vain. And, died in vain. Yeah.
1: Um, so, still
0: in the grave. <laughs> and,
1: and our sins would still be hanging over our heads when we die, and we'd spend eternity paying for those sins ourselves. And that's a terrifying thought, because yeah. we either pay for our own sins or Jesus pays for them. <laughs> and that depends totally on what you do, what we do with the truths of the Bible. We cannot depend on any good deeds or any ordinances to get us to heaven. All we can do is climb on Jesus' back and trust Him to take us there. Okay, the next... I never
0: understood that one either as a Mormon.
1: You, With,
0: to, the, I was totally dependent on Him. It was, I was saved by grace after all I could do.
1: After all you could yeah, do. Had
0: to be married in the temple, had to be had to pay my tithing and keep the Word of Wisdom and do all those things in order to be saved. And polygamy adds that whole other layer uh-huh. that you have to do that in order to be saved. Christ doesn't do enough.
1: It's the most important layer to the polygamist, to the fundamentalist sure of polygamy is. is. Yeah.
0: yeah. In fact, that scripture of blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God mm-hmm. just always was so powerful to me because all these good people that I knew who were Christian and uh, they were pure in heart. They were good people, mm. and yet I felt sorry for them because they hadn't been through the temple. They hadn't yeah. been baptized. I just figured that we'd take care of it during the millennium, or yes. something. Yeah. And didn't tr- it wasn't ever about Jesus. No, you know you don't no, have turn your works. life to Jesus. Yeah, it's all about it's, your works. You have to join the church. You have to. It's
1: all about the church, yeah, yeah, for sure. The church yeah. is the mediator, rather than than a Jesus. Yeah. Okay, our next question.
0: Do you believe your spirit existed before you were born? And if not, how does that, how does something become eternal out of nothing?
1: Well, this question is based on a false premise here because (laughs) he says, how can something become eternal out of nothing? Well, first of all, our spirits are eternal only in reference to the future, not the past. And besides that, God can do anything He pleases, okay? and God is eternal, right? <laughs> <laughs> and God is the one who is eternal. Now, we did not pre-exist in eternity past, but will continue to exist in eternity future, either in eternal bliss or eternal grief. The Bible is clear that we did not exist before conception. And Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and verse 5 tell us that we are all spiritually dead until or unless we are saved by God's grace. And for those who prefer to believe Joseph Smith over Jesus, Joseph Smith did not alter those verses in Ephesians. (laughs) He left them the same. We're spiritually dead until we're born again. And then Zechariah. We have a verse in Zechariah that tells us. Chapter
0: 12, thus declares the Lord who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within him.
1: That's when the spirit is given is at conception. He forms that spirit in us at conception. And Joseph Smith's revision of the Bible did not change that verse either. Now, there's a scant, very few ver- Bible verses that people will use and misuse to say that we pre existed. But according to Jesus, we did not pre exist. And I believe Jesus. 1 <laughs> Corinthians 15 is a good verse. Yeah,
0: verse 46. Howbeit, that was that was not first which is spiritual but that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual.
1: Now that's easy to understand <laughs> we don't have to explain that and yeah. we, it's not misinterpreted and we might also add that Joseph Smith's revision of the Bible supports there is no preexistence. This is how Joseph Smith wrote that verse.
0: Now yeah, this is the Joseph Smith translation of that how be it that which is natural first and not that which is spiritual, but afterwards that which is spiritual.
1: So even Joseph Smith doesn't believe there was a spiritual pre-existence. Joseph Smith consistently, however, contradicted his own twisted doctrines, and this is merely one good (laughs) glaring example of that. Jesus is the only person who pre-existed before he was born. We read that in John.
0: John 8, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. And you know, this makes God so much more glorious and wonderful. As a Mormon, he was just a man that had progressed ahead of me, yeah. and I could become a God eventually. Yeah. Now I believe in a God who's all-powerful, mm-hmm. all always existed.
1: And that's Jesus. And,
0: uh, yes, and he's done that, and he does that because he loves us, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and I'm not going to become God.
1: You're not going to become a God no <laughs> matter how hard you try. And in this verse, Jesus said... Uh, you're from below I'm from above so yeah. he's, he's making a difference yeah. there and if, if, if we're not from above then we didn't pre-exist in heaven before we came down no, here. Now, there's a lot of verses in John that will, by the way, back yeah, this up.
0: Earthly and yeah,
1: uh, From below means not from above. <laughs> That's what it means. And we did not come from heaven. Jesus did come from. We have another one in 1 Corinthians 15.
0: Yeah, the next couple of verses. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven.
1: So, Jesus is saying that man was of the dust yeah. of the earth, which, which goes right back to Genesis chapter 1, and we're not from heaven. We did not pre-exist. And Joseph Smith's Bible also agrees with that. <laughs> okay, the next okay. question.
0: Okay, do you believe in prophets and apostles, and if not, why not? Paul taught that they were necessary and vital to the foundation of the gospel.
1: So here we have another, it's a valid question, but it's on a false premise because yeah. Paul did not teach that the way he said that it <laughs> was taught. He did teach this kind of thing, but not the way this man has said that, it, that he taught it. Now, over 2,000 years ago, the foundation of the gospel was laid we do not need contemporary living prophets. Jesus Christ is the living prophet for these last days, and no one is equal to or greater than Jesus. So if we've got Jesus, we need nothing or no one else. There is no one who can mediate between us and God except Jesus.
0: Yeah, and we first, go Tim-
1: first on that.
0: First Timothy is very clear about that. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus.
1: Only Jesus can mediate God for us. No church, the Mormon church, the polygamy group. No, you don't need to go to your bishop or your priesthood holder leader or your polygamy (laughs) group leader. None of them can mediate for you, your relationship to God. It's impossible. God rejects any mediatorship. The viewer claims, who asked this question, that the apostles and prophets are the foundation to the gospel. Of course, he's referring to the Mormon gospel, not the biblical gospel. Now, the foundation of the biblical gospel is the cross and Jesus' death on the cross. We read from 1 Corinthians 3.11.
0: For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ.
1: So no one can lay, No, nobody, no apostle or prophet can come and lay anything else. It's already been laid. It's been laid, and it is Jesus. Yeah. Okay, that's very clear. So there's no new gospel. There was no restoration. There was no needed restoration. The true foundation was laid 2,000 years ago, never lost, always remaining, nothing new needed, no new foundation ever required. The foundation is Jesus Christ and his atonement on the cross and only on the cross. Now Jesus' apostles already laid the foundation through the gospel message and believers now build upon that foundation. That's what the Bible teaches, no restoration because the foundation is permanent and unchangeable we no longer need or are required to have prophets and apostles. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2.
0: This has turned out to be one of my favorite scriptures. It is. (laughs) In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe.
1: Now, this is clear.
0: In these last days. In these (laughs) last days.
1: And that word, but but in these last days. Yeah. He doesn't speak to us through prophets and through, uh, through different people and different ways. He speaks to us through Jesus. Now we already covered the fact that Jesus is the Word of God and He speaks through words, so He speaks to us through His Son. That's what this verse says. We find the job qualification for an apostle in Acts chapter 1 verses 21 through 22.
0: Yes, the Apostles were deliberating how to replace Judas, I guess. Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection.
1: And you're right. They were determining to replace (laughs) Judas, another apostle, another one to add to the the 11 now, so they would have 12 again. So any man, and this was the qualification to become an apostle, any man who claims to be an apostle must have been alive during Jesus' time witnessed his baptism, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. There's never been and is not a Mormon or polygamist apostle who qualifies. No, we cannot believe in Mormon-style apostles. And finally, we go into Revelation chapter 21 where we get a glimpse of heaven. And there are 12 foundations which are the 12 apostles of Jesus. There are only 12. (laughs) Only 12. So no, we do not believe in Mormon-style apostles. Someone once made the observation that Jesus referred to Himself as the Good Shepherd who watches over His sheep and never loses one of His sheep. If the gospel, if the true gospel was lost and it took Joseph Smith to bring about something that Jesus failed to do, then Jesus really isn't the Good Shepherd He claimed to be because good shepherds don't lose their sheep. Like Gordon Hinckley said, the Mormons do worship a different Jesus. Okay, it looks like that we are um, needing to stop and open up our phone lines and we got lots more to talk about, but that's why we have two shows coming up with this. Uh, We are going to open up our phones and if you want to call us and ask questions or make remarks, then please do so. Our number is 801 973 tb 20 801-973-8820. Give us a call and we will finish up and answer your, your questions on the other side of our message.
2: You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge you will find them at our website www.whatloveisthis.tv while you are at our website make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program which can stream on demand directly to your computer and if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast Recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801 973 TV 20 that's 801 973 8820 Now back to polygamy. What love is this <coughs> with our host Doris Hanson?
1: Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And with our co-host, Earl Erskine, we are talking about what we believe. Yeah. Because people constantly ask us to stop preaching against what others believe and tell them what you believe. So I hope that they're
0: they're getting the getting (laughs) the
1: message tonight. So that's what we're doing. Although our next question deals with polygamy. Um, because we get a lot of questions about polygamy. But we do have a couple of phone calls coming in. So we will take uh, line one first. Jim from West Jordan is calling. Hello, Jim.
3: Hi. I'm really enjoying your discussion and topics today. I wanted to ask about the first question. I didn't see the very beginning of the program. Could you briefly tell me how you came to have these subjects?
1: Well, we just mentioned that uh, we have a lot of people who ask us uh, to to explain what we believe. We come very frequently on this show and talk about early Mormonism and how they've misused scripture and how they've come up with their own scripture to to make polygamy a good and, and right thing to do. And so we've discredited uh or have tried to discredit Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and and any current modern day prophets who believe anything other than what the Bible teaches. And so
3: this and so my question is about the, the first subject. I've had a, a similar question that I was trying to understand about some of the different denominational groups. Uh, Why did did uh, human beings die at all? Uh, What 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 was the reason for the death? But I I wanted to ask Earl and yourself as well. um, There there are those in the LDS believe that they were immortal in the garden, undiable. I don't believe that way. I don't believe that's the main line or some of the non-Christian viewpoint?
1: No, that's um, not biblical. Mm-mm. That's the Bible does not say that at all. Uh, they, huh? it, they would not have died, but they're not immortal in the sense that um, that the the Mormons teach it, because they teach it that they had to sin in order to have children. They had to become mortal in order to have children. That's not true. They could have had children in their um, in the original state that God created them. They would not have Uh-oh. died. They wouldn't have died like because my, they weren't sinners yet.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, my understanding is that they were in close contact and association with the source of life, the living God himself, and that his spirit clad them over, you know, his spirit sustained them, and it wasn't that they were immoral in and of themselves. Right. Uh, do you know, uh, if, is there any other uh, Middle Ages group that uh, might have taught that they didn't have bread in their in their veins and that they were immortal or is this unique to the Smith family and the, the, uh, the mystic Christianity that comes out of the royal families of
1: Europe? I, I have no idea where it originally came from. I, I do know that from studying a lot of early Mormonism they just made up things. Whether this is one of them that they made up I have no idea. You
0: You're know? saying that they believed that they didn't have blood in their veins and that I guess after they sinned then the blood came in?
3: That's what yeah, so That's, that's so what I'm lot. getting from uh, yeah. the, the LDS website. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, in fact, I've been doing searches online for information about you know, belief in the Garden of Eden, and the first thing you get is a lot of LDS headings that, uh, <laughs> that will say they they, they weren't mortal, they didn't have blood, they couldn't have children, or happiness, and yeah, uh, it's like a big fairy tale. Yeah, that, it is. Know, somebody can make up whatever they want. They couldn't drink water, they couldn't dance, you know. I, I, I'm wondering if there's anything that you've ever seen besides the ideas that no. somebody had... I personally haven't. Right
1: before that. No, no, I haven't either. I haven't. No. Maybe a viewer will call in Jim and uh, if they have heard of it before and, and tell us, but I haven't heard of it.
3: Well, sure. I enjoyed the program today and thank hey. you so much. Thanks, Thanks for calling. Jim.
1: We appreciate your call. Okay, we have on line two, Robert calling from Provo. Hello, Robert. Hello. You're on the air. Thank you. What's your question? Uh, My
4: question is, how come we don't hear more from you and from other Mormons, but uh, in the Book of Mormon, uh, the Book of Jacob in Chapter 2 and 3, it it says that uh, the... Plagiarism
1: is an abomination. How much more clear can you get? And we've (laughs) talked about that many times on this show, and you are exactly right. How much clearer can it get? Did you? uh, You've read Jacob. Have an excuse.
0: You've read Jacob two twenty four. It sounds like. Have you also read the introduction to section one thirty two, and then the first verse in section one thirty two in the Doctrine and Covenants? That refutes that comment.
4: Oh, that, I see. Well you can then God changed his mind, I think. Well, he
0: yeah. he made it okay for David and Solomon to have concubines.
1: Yeah. It was so an abomination it, in the Book of Mormon, but it's a justification in yeah. the Doctrine and Covenants. And
0: it just shows again that Joseph Smith changed his mind and changed his doctrine, which he did on a number of occasions mm-hmm. on a number of issues. So yeah. it's it's something okay, that needs cool. to be discussed. But that's a good point.
1: Yeah,
4: it is. It's a good question. I because I uh, <laughs> i just couldn't understand how you could debate that but okay doctors and covenants you can cover yourself with something else
2: Mm
4: -hmm. um and then another one was um um and we'll block uh is joseph smith we we have the uh the uh, scrolls uh from the uh
0: the book Book of of Abraham. abraham yes
4: And so we can compare what is the translation, the correct translation of the book of Abraham. And, of course, Joseph Smith made that one up. And it always goes back to inspiration. And Emma Smith, I read her book, The uh, Mm -hmm. Elect Lady, and uh, that makes it clear, and it must be clear everywhere else that the translators, uh, the one for the scribes to Joseph Smith when he was supposedly translating, he didn't translate. He right. used inspiration because he put his head in the hat and looked at a seer stone. Right. So to call it a translation is incorrect. And why don't they, <laughs> if you're investigating churches and you want to become a good Mormon, wouldn't that be a huge stumbling block?
1: Well, it should be. It all I
0: be. can all I can tell you is that it's easy for a Mormon to ignore facts, basically, and to not look at any of this information and to dismiss it when it's written, and to just ignore it. It's it's amazing. It's a blindness. Doris has called it a willing blindness, the and
2: blind people illness. are
0: just totally willingly
4: blind. And uh, well, un- more than blindness, because like the uh, the sign will show has shown joseph smith with his hand on the <laughs> golden plates and uh mm-hmm. translating and well, that's got to be just an out now out, that you
1: know, is they the, the leaders it's the leaders up,
4: because that doesn't hasn't got any basis
1: the, robert the leaders are knowingly deceiving the people and some of them have said, we know it's wrong, but the people need us, so that we're, we're gonna continue doing it. That's true, I've heard people say that, and I've heard other people who've said that. But they do, they knowingly are deceiving the people that's both in Mormonism and in the polygamy groups.
4: What happened they need to be called to did count. anything ever, I mean, mm. they were not there and they, they could not defend the Mormon church to the Swedes, and so whatever happened from that? I mean, what was the, the first part of the question? Have questions, or do they think that it's all resolved now?
1: They don't think they have to defend. i My understanding is they don't have to defend um, the question. The <laughs> I, I think.
4: I think the church. Talking about on, on your
0: program. <laughs> I think the church allows the professionals, the professors, the intellects, to debate and to search and to study. The church t- won't come out. and you, I'm sure we didn't hear about anything of this in general conference about the papyrus or the book of Abraham. I doubt that <laughs> was talked about. They're not talking about Joseph Smith much now, it sounds like. I don't but know. I
4: think it. you two are wonderful, and <laughs> uh, I watch your programs all the time. And, Thank you. And, uh, Doris, uh, I think we both got born again at about the same age. I was 43 when I was born again. So was I. I agnostic looking around. And uh, praise the Lord that you found the Lord, too. Amen. And,
1: and uh, amen. I really
4: love you guys.
1: Thank you. Appreciate thanks, your call. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. It's <laughs>
4: nice.
1: Good night. Bye. Okay, we have on line three, we have Ivan from Salt Lake City. Hello, you're on the air, Ivan.
3: Hi, I was wondering, I just lost my wife on February the 22nd. And I, mm. I was wondering, can he come and visit us? What? Can my wife come and visit us?
1: No. Like you know. No. That way. No. The Bible says that the dead do not come back.
3: Well, oh, they don't. They're not in spirit, then, huh?
1: They're in a spirit, but they're in another place. They don't come back here.
4: because oh, one time I felt something touching my wrist. Well, like a you know, like, touch.
1: It it might have been something else. I don't know. But no, they they don't come back. There's several references in the Bible about that.
3: Oh okay then. thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Bye. I
3: appreciate that.
1: Bye bye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bye. And I did a, a whole Bible study on that because my mother believed in the fact that I came from a family and a group that believed in all these spiritual experiences the near and death all
4: experiences and yeah
1: and and dead people coming back and all and so I did a real thorough Bible study of that and came up with several pages of information absolutely not they do not come back at all. Hmm. Well, we still have a few minutes here, so maybe we can get into the next question. Okay. Um, there still looks like a couple of lines, but there's nobody ready yet. So the next question that we have from, <laughs> um, that's asked often from our viewers is...
0: Yeah, this is kind of an interesting one. Say, everyone in a, plural, in a plural marriage freely chooses the lifestyle. No fear of authority for refusing. No need to earn anything for heaven. No underage issues. Why do you fight the lifestyle? If everyone wants it, who's being harmed?
1: Okay, now this now is. Now you a- would
0: know this better than anybody, <laughs> I'm sure. And
1: that's a fairy tale uh, question, it really is. First of all, there is no such thing as Mormon style polygamy that fits this scenario yeah. at all. Yeah. All Mormon polygamy groups teach a false gospel handed down by Joseph Smith. who first said that eternal life was contingent upon living polygamy. That's why we fight against it. He lied about God's plan of salvation and that leads people away from God, not closer to Him. Now we're not here to fight against every moral (laughs) problem of this culture but we are focused on breaking into the brainwashed mindset of all those in Mormon polygamy groups who practice polygamy because they believe in Joseph Smith and because he said God said to do it. Jesus tells us to speak against false prophets, false Christs, and false Gospels, and we have a responsibility to our Master. Everyone born in Mormon polygamy is raised on the doctrine of plural marriage for eternal life. Children are brainwashed and force-fed the myths of early Mormonism, of the Book of Mormon, of the United Order, and of plural marriage. Young girls who are married off into polygamy have little or nothing to say about their life, and they need to know that God saves only through Jesus Christ, not through polygamy, or through their polygamy group, or through the Mormon Church. Jesus Christ is the Savior and He does the saving of our souls. 100% His saving works and 0% ours or a church. If I had known that when I first escaped from the Kingston Polygamy no, Group 25 life, years ago, what a life, difference. Wouldn't
0: have made life better for you. Uh,
1: yeah, and we <laughs> want people in Mormon polygamy to know what I didn't know then. We want them to get into the Bible and research these things and find out for themselves and discover the joy in life that only God can give us. And if women in polygamy would stand up for their rights, and if the children could know the truth about polygamy before they were brainwashed, polygamy for salvation would stop dead in its tracks. Yeah, that
0: would be nice.
1: And for those who care nothing about God's Word or His will for their lives, they can go wherever they want and marry whomever or whatever they want, and we won't do a show about it. But don't say God requires it, because that makes it a totally different matter, and that's the lie that we hate.
0: And the children are, are just uh, uh, unwilling victims, right, in, they the, are. in this whole thing, and they have no choices, and they're right. brainwashed, as you say, and mm-hmm. as they come up, if they're young women, they're subject to be married early, uh, early on, and if they're young mm-hmm. men, they're likely to be separated out many times, right? They,
1: That's very true. Boys, yeah. and, and Mormon polygamy always portrays God to be miserly and scary and vengeful and vindictive and hateful and showing favoritism, and God is none of those. No love. I did not learn about God's love until I was 43 years old.
0: Wow.
1: He's not the author of polygamy.
3: Mm.
1: Okay, we have a couple more on the line here. Ralph uh, from Las Vegas is on line one. Hello, Ralph.
3: Well, yes. um, Just this week the church came out, admitting that there are four versions of Joseph Smith's first vision.
1: There's actually nine.
0: Yeah, I think it's seven or nine. That's true, but well, yes.
3: That may be. I think they you mentioned four and yeah. came out of Deseret News. Uh, as, what do you think of the fact that the Church is coming up and sort of admitting that there are these kind of discrepancies?
0: Well, Well, I got excommunicated over that and two other issues, the changes in the Book of Mormon and the Book of Abraham, those things. But I started looking at those different versions of the first vision and realized that there had to be a problem here, that there was an evolving concept of God in Joseph's mind because he didn't start out seeing God the Father and Jesus in physical bodies, but he changed later, and I... I would only hope that Mormons and polygamists and everyone else would put two and two together and start doing a little thinking. But I, I, I'm not sure they're very aware of these essays either.
1: Yeah, I, and I haven't read this particular ones yet. Uh, the one that you're talking about, the visions. I have read some of the others, and and if they're if they're true to form, they are going to still be deceiving what the facts are. They're still going to be covering over the facts to keep everything, you know, pretty pretty. Clear and Cloroxed. So um, I'm I'm afraid I can't go into it, trusting that what they're saying is coming out with the truth.
3: Yeah. Uh, I read it. I guess it's published in Gospel Topics of the Church website, and it's very it's hard to follow. It's very slick. Very yeah, they, they
1: do a lot of double talk.
3: Well, yes, uh, it was it was well done. Well, <laughs> of course, yeah. uh, But it was hard to follow. Are I you,
4: couldn't really put my handle uh, yep. hand on it. Yeah.
0: I've often. I've often said that I'd like to be a fly on the wall when these lawyers and writers come together and try to decide just how to say something so it doesn't incriminate the church, and yet it says enough that they uh, are being somewhat honest, and yet they know that they've got to... Cover, yeah. cover themselves so that they aren't uh, saying too much.
1: Well, they can't come out and say we lied. They can't come out and say everything that we've said about Joseph Smith in the past is a lie because then everybody would leave the church, and they can't do that. They're too secure for their positions. But again, they know it's not true. Uh, many of them in leadership position, top leadership position of both polygamy groups and the Mormon church know it's based on a lie, and they're covering it up.
0: I do think that without the Internet, these wouldn't be coming forward.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm sure they wouldn't. The church
0: would have continued to stay in a, a blind situation without the Internet.
1: Okay. Thank I, I agree. You. Thank you, Ralph. We appreciate your call. All, All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ralph. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Line three, we have Jim calling from Spanish Fork. Hello, Jim. Yes. You're on the air, Jim. You only have about a minute and a half, so speak up. <laughs> <laughs> Jim?
3: Yes, hi Doris, oh, uh, I appreciate
1: it. Uh, you need to turn your right. TV volume down, Jim.
3: Okay, I appreciate your ship. Thank you Doris, I appreciate your show. My mother, my mother that's 93 years old, I've got her watching your show and she is just,
0: she's, oh, good she's all her. worried
3: that she's going to mess you if you go on, if the <laughs> TV takes you off. And I, my question is, uh. The Mormons don't take the cross as very serious. They use their Garden of Gethsemane as a way that Christ atoned for our sins, and they completely leave the cross out of uh, the atonement, which is basically, I can't figure out why they would do that. I mean, I know they say that's just the place he died, but the fact is that's where he atoned for our
1: sins that's right that's right so and, and Jim now that's the
3: LDS can say that he atoned in the garden mm-hmm. and then ultimately that's where our salvation lies
1: Well Jim the, the, we know it's, we know that it's a spiritual battle because the Bible tells us that the cross the message of the cross, is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes so obviously the power of the cross is going to be taken out of a false religion we only have another um, few seconds so um.
0: could I say just one quick thing really quick and tell me when I should cut off mm-hmm. but if they start recognizing the cross and the shed blood of what Jesus did it eliminates the value of the temple because the temple ceremony in the past was to shed blood of innocent animals looking forward to the shed blood of Jesus. The Mormons use the temple for something totally different and so accepting the cross and the shed blood of Jesus on the cross would really challenge what the temple's all about. Good
1: point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Does that answer your question Jim?
3: Yes, ma'am. Okay, and
1: and tell your mother that we're going to try and make it as easy as possible to be able to see the show uh, once it's over here on TV20. I'll
3: tell her that, and uh, I want to tell you that I withdrew from the church, and I've been through the temple and everything.
1: Thank you, Jim.
3: uh, Thanks to you and uh, Sean.
1: Thank you, Jim. We're say, Thanks, Jim.
3: Thank you and I love you. Thank you. you.
1: <laughs> thank you very much. Good night. Okay, well Next week we'll finish what we started. And um, you know, Jesus told Thomas, his disciple, who had doubted his resurrection, he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, this culture relies heavily on seeing is believing or feeling is believing, rather than on trusting the truth of God's Word as recorded in the Bible. 1 John chapter 4 warns us to test the spirits. Jesus said to test the prophets. Paul said to test the doctrine. In Revelation, Jesus commended those who tested the apostles and found them to be false. And the Bible gives us the guidelines and the protection of truth needed to make these tests. Nowhere are we ever instructed to rely upon our feelings as a test for truth. In fact, our feelings are the least reliable of all possible tests. Our feelings are subject to radical changes. We can feel great one minute and then receive a bad phone call and feel rotten the next minute. A friend or a foe can say or do something that can change our feelings immediately, but God's word and Jesus Christ never change. Situations change, culture changes, ideas change, and feelings change. But Jesus and truth never change. That's why the Bible never instructs us to rely on feelings for truth. We are either assured that our faith in God, uh, we are assured that our faith in God's eternal life is unchanging. It's tested. His true word is recorded in the Bible and will never fail us. So try it, test it, rely on it. You might even go radical and attend a Christian Bible study and be blessed. Jesus said His Word is true. He said we will be judged by it. He quoted from it. So if Jesus can trust His Word, why can't you? Thank you for watching.
0: This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of the Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.